Good morning from me. Yeah, I am on. So, hi, I'm Andy, Andy Merrick, and I lead the team that leads Hope Church. Uh, it's great to see you all this morning. And uh, I'd like just to pray together before I just get into the, the teaching this morning. Um, so if you just adopt whatever pose you're comfortable with. Father, we just love that you come amongst us, and uh, we actually want to invite you more. Um, because we know you're not done. We know that there's a great deal you is on your heart for us today. And you're always here dispensing good things to us. Every time we gather, you're just burning with love and passion for us. And every time we gather, you're distributing your good gifts, your wise words, your powerful encounters, and you're transforming us from one degree of glory to another. So this morning, we just want to ask you, Heavenly Father, that, that we would walk out of this place changed. We'd walk out of this place with everything in our hands and in our hearts that you have already wanted to give us and already releasing to us. Uh, and that we would be healed, we would be transformed in our thinking, we would be happier, we would be more joyful, we would be more full of righteousness and peace in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So good to see you. I have probably three titles this morning, so um, I don't mean three messages, I just mean three titles for the same message, you'll be relieved to hear. Uh, the, uh, one way I put it is breaking free from the old ways, uh, but also it, I really what's on my heart is recognizing the signs of the times for Europe. All right, Jesus... Jesus actually had some very interesting things to say about recognizing the signs of the times. And uh, in Matthew 16, he, he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he says, in the morning, you'll say it's going to be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. He says, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you can't interpret the signs of the times. It's Matthew 16, verse 3, if you want to take a note of that. And he's... He's expecting them as the spiritual leaders of their day and their generation and of their nation, not just to be able to do the weather forecast. So I don't know what you do about the weather forecast, but I have the BBC website is my homepage and you know, they even do Clarkston, which is where I live, and you can look on it and it'll tell you up to the next 10 days. So I have, I have a weather forecast app and I, I can interpret the signs for maybe up to 10 days. All of you know that the level of reliability, if you live in Glasgow, is somewhat flawed. Um, but it, nevertheless, nearly every day, I will look at that because I'm trying to suss out, is there a day I can walk out my front door without an umbrella and some raincoat? I really should adopt the principle of always take an umbrella and a raincoat. <laughs> Lived here long enough to know that, really. But it's interesting when you go abroad, so really sunny places, you're still always taking a cardigan and umbrella with you. And people look at you like, you're mad. It's going to be 30 degrees all day. Yeah, we know, but there's always a chance of rain. So, so we've worked quite hard on interpreting the weather. But actually, Jesus was expecting them to have understood the signs of the times. 
He's expecting them to have clued into what's going on around them, probably at a spiritual level. And there's, there's another fascinating verse, one of, my, one of my many favorite verses. You shouldn't have all favorite verses in the Bible, but to be honest, when you get into Chronicles and its lists of numbers, they're not my favorite verses. I'm sure they're inspired by God and profitable for all sorts of things, but this is a favorite verse in 1 Chronicles 12, 32. It's worth wading through a load of the other scriptures to come to this one where it talks about the men of Issachar and it commends them we're going to speak about the whole Bible today and (laughs) there we go the men of Issachar who understood the times they were commended because they understood the times and they knew what Israel should do 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command and uh, the, the version I read today in the ESV, it says that they understood the times to know what Israel should do. So it's quite possible to live out of sync with the season you're in. It's quite possible to, if you don't understand the time you're in, to live in a way that's not fitted to the, to the season, to the moment that you're in. Do, so the, the purpose of understanding the times is so that you know what to do. So that you, you wear the right clothes for the weather. Yeah? So that you behave in a way that is appropriate to the, the season, to the conditions that you're actually in. That you've, you've lined yourself up with that. And, and by this, I don't just mean interpreting the signs of the times as in, well, we can see you know, Brexit and we can see economic uncertainty and we can see uh, difficulties all over the world with terrorism I mean interpreting the signs of God's times, which can be reflected in the earth, but our primary uh, source of our inspiration should not be the newspaper or Sky News. Jesus is expecting these, these spiritual leaders to be plugged into heaven enough to understand the signs of God's times. And because they didn't, they didn't actually recognize Jesus and what he was doing. Yeah? Yeah? So they actually missed the most important moment that they had all been waiting for all their lives because they weren't tuned into what God was doing as saying in their historical moment, they missed what he was doing in their historical moment. Is that making sense to you? So actually, there's, there's a, a, an expectation or an encouragement from Jesus that we would be tuned in enough to the trends and things that are happening around us from heaven to earth, not just from earth to heaven, not just praying about, oh, what's going to happen to the economy or what about the terrorism? I mean, these things are terrible things in and of themselves, but actually, God's agenda is bigger, greater, and beyond all of that. And, and I, I believe that Europe, it's interesting, Europe and Brexit, and as many of us were upset at leaving Europe, but actually you can't leave Europe, well, politically you can, but that's not the same as geographically or even spiritually leaving. So Europe, there's something about Europe that you can't leave, and all right, we, we're, we're across a channel of 22 miles at the narrowest point. So we feel a little bit separate here on these islands from Europe. 
But actually, spiritually, Europe has, has a very common set of spiritual history. And, and, and that's really what I think is changing for Scotland, for England, for France, for Holland, for Germany, for Northern Europe, all over the, the continent of Europe, there is another spiritual shift. And we share, as a continent, some great spiritual DNA going back sometimes hundreds of years. So we were all affected by the thing called the Reformation in the 16th century, 1500s and on, and, and people like Luther and Calvin. So a, a, a person who would be famous here in Scotland would be John Knox as a great reformer, but he actually lived in Germany, and I think sometime in Switzerland, and was influenced by Calvin. And what he taught and what he established here in Scotland actually had a lot of its origins and what had broken out in that area of Europe, all right? So what happens in different places in Europe spills out into other places. And spiritually, you can, you can go lots of different places in Europe and find things like Lutheran churches that were founded and formed way back at that period because of the Reformation and the rediscovery of actually quite a, what we would consider quite a simple truth, which is the justification by faith alone. I is you're made right with God, not by what you do, but by fundamentally what you believe. We've also been affected by the Catholic Church across the whole of Europe for since forever. And that has been a good thing, and it's not always been a good thing. There's been a whole mixture of things. But spiritually, that has had an influence. And Europe was the first place that Christianity really took root after the New Testament. It's where the gospel had success. And so Paul write, a lot of Paul's writings is, first of all, to what we would now call Turkey, then to Greece, and then he went to Italy. He was ambitious to go to Spain. We're not quite sure whether he got there or not, but, but others did. And so the gospel has its starting place in this thing called Europe. So there's, I'm just trying to say that there's more that makes you Europe than just some political union or not, or some economic union or not. There's some spiritual strands here. And God's doing a new thing in Europe. God's doing a new thing in this nation, in this city. But it reflects a bigger thing that he's doing on the whole continent. He's not forgotten Europe. Europe will be saved. Signs and wonders are happening all over the place. Unusual, bizarre, sometimes to us, outbreaks of the Spirit in places that you and I would think God would never work there. He is not inhibited by our prejudices or our preconceptions. He is breaking out in the most amazing places Places weren't touched by the Reformation, God's breaking in. It's almost like there's a new Reformation on the move. But do we know what that is and are we partnering with that? Because it's very important that we are not stuck in the old ways. And one of the reasons we run a supernatural school, which I'm sure if you talked to me and pleaded with me on one knee, we'd still let you in, although it's closed, is to make sure that we are being reformed ourselves to be in tune with what God is releasing on the planet now, what he's doing in our continent now, not what it was like for me 20 years ago. What it was like for me 20, 30 years ago was very different as a leader and as a, a younger Christian than it is now, and I have to adjust. 
I have to adjust. I have to catch up. I have to reorientate my hopes and my expectations. I have to reorientate my thinking to line up with this season in order to know what to do in this season. So you're all agreeing with me, but I haven't really told you what I think that season is. I think what's happening is there's a theology of expectation of the miraculous being released, which is counteracting probably five centuries of cessationism. So cessationism is a, was probably the pre- a prevalent idea, certainly in this nation and across Europe, for centuries, and it's a basically a belief that signs and wonders, prophecies, speaking in tongues, all ended after the early apostolic age. So apostles don't continue, prophecies don't continue, speaking in tongues doesn't continue, healing signs and wonders do not continue because they interpreted a verse in 1 Corinthians 13 that said that these things would cease when the perfect came. And they interpreted that the perfect as being the arrival of the canon of Scripture which actually probably wasn't agreed on until something like 300 AD, but they interpreted, so what they did was they took the canon of Scripture and said, because that is now agreed upon, that is the perfect, and so we don't need signs and wonders anymore because we have Scripture. The the problem is nothing in that text or context of that text tells you that the perfect is Scripture. There's nothing in all the verses leading up to it or after it says that the coming of the perfect is Scripture. Actually, the coming of the perfect is Jesus. What he's saying is that when Jesus returns, at that point, we won't prophesy in part because then we'll know and be fully known. All right, he's saying for now, prophecy is all in part. That doesn't mean it's no, no use. It just means that what you see is not the full picture. And that will become redundant when he returns because we will then see the full picture. All right, so that, that I believe, is the clear context of the verse. But for centuries, it's been seen the other way, as I just explained to you. The outcome is this. If you believe that signs, wonders, miracles, speaking in tongues, prophecy all ended hundreds of years ago, and then a believer, a friend of yours, starts to do it, where do you think it comes from? If that ended, and you're convinced that that's a godly mindset, and that you're biblically persuaded that these things no longer happen, and you encounter someone to whom or through whom they are happening, you are left with some very difficult choices. Because you're already persuaded that it can't be God. Because God stopped doing these things. So what's happened in the church for a long, long time is that when these things happened to people, they were told that this was probably the devil. And in fact, books were published in a town not far away from here with titles such as Why Speaking of Tongues is of the Devil from Christians. The early Pentecostals 
were branded as the last vomit of Satan by well-known Christian leaders in that era. Because you're left with nowhere else to go if you believe you're biblically persuaded that these things no longer exist and you're suddenly encountering Pentecostals who are having encounters, doing signs of wonders, what, what other category have you got? Just stay with me a bit longer. I know it's a bit of a history lesson. But all of this meant we have arrived somewhere that God is now counteracting. So when I first got baptized in the Spirit, I, was, I didn't know about baptism in the Spirit. I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. I got saved into a good, solid evangelical movement. But I was hungry for more. And I was praying in my bedroom. Every night I would pray, God, you must be, if you're so great, I must be able to feel you. That was my basic reasoning. If you're so massive and you're so loving, there must be more to this Christian life than reading my Bible and praying every day. And I would pray every night until I felt something. And usually it was I felt forgiven because I was a new Christian, had a lot to be forgiven for. So I'm there praying. And then one night, something really weird started to happen. Remember, no one told me, no one instructed me. No, I had no idea. And suddenly, here I am, it's about one o'clock in the morning. And on the inside of me, this fizzy sort of burning feeling starts to happen. And the first thing that I feel is I'm afraid. So being a good Christi young Christian, I climb into bed, turn the lights off, and pull the duvet over my head. And ask Jesus, this is weird, isn't it? Ask Jesus to take this away. Having prayed now for three weeks for an encounter, because I'm so uninformed, unschooled, and unaware, I'm like, ah! So, but it doesn't go away, praise God. It doesn't go away. He doesn't answer that prayer. So I'm tossing and turning. So then I get out of bed, I put the light on, and I do, I've been well trained, so I had a reading program. I still have a reading program. You need a reading program, all right? You need a reading program, so I don't know what to do. So I get out my Bible, one o'clock in the morning, get to where I am in the reading program, and I'm in Acts chapter 4 in my reading program, and the first verses I read are that they all together, they prayed all together, and the house where they were shook, and I'm like, Wow, if God can shake our house, he can shake me. And I knew it was him. And then I started to tell people, and then our leaders started to pull me in and say, oh, you've got to be careful, you know, this may not be what you think it is. I had people quietly come up to me and say, I, I used to speak in tongues, but then I, I, I discovered the, the superior way, which is knowing scripture, and I don't do it anymore. I faced all this kind of negativity, opposition. There I was, this little Christ, young Christian, not having a clue, not just having had a sovereign invasion of the Holy Spirit. And immediately I start getting people who are like, that's because cessationism was dominant in the air. It produced a suspicion of the supernatural in the Christian environment and elevated the power of the devil over the power of Jesus. He said, he can give you signs and wonders. He can give you speaking in tongues. He can give you prophecy. But Jesus can't anymore. Why are you getting so worked up about this? Because God is replacing that mindset with the one that says... Jesus said, you will do everything that I did and more. Yeah. And we are starting to believe it. Yeah. And that that will only come to an end when he returns. Amen. 
But some of the cautions, nervousness, suspicion that is in the Christian culture has its roots in an erroneous theology that said it all passed away, which made the devil big and us cautious. Thank God that's changing. But we still, there's still the remnants of that, maybe sometimes in our own thinking or certainly we encounter it, but we're going to keep lifting up this reality that Jesus said, those who believe in me will do the things that I did and greater things. And if you read the book of Acts, you'll see that they believe that and that's what happened. No one had thought of cessationism in the book of Acts. So you will get what you believe for. You will get what you believe for. You will get what you believe for. So it's our job, our task in this season to become thoroughly biblically persuaded that the miraculous realm is fully ours, that we can do exactly what Jesus did and more, and that's normal and it's easy because that's what he said. You don't have to fast until you're a twiglet, all right? The days are changing. To get breakthrough 10 years ago took incredible kind of courage, took intense seeking because you were working against an atmosphere that was washing you in a different direction. I want to tell you today that the atmosphere, the tide has shifted and it's washing in the other direction, which is we do the greater things. But if we find any of that nervousness, any of that suspicion of the supernatural and any sense that, from this testimony we heard this morning, I know a bit more of the background, and there was some pretty weird stuff going on in that if you were prone to thinking the devil was bigger than Jesus, you wouldn't have walked into that situation. But we know that because he's in us and we're in him, we are bigger than any demon-inspired situation in any house, in any city, in any situation. Don't we? We're in the process of of lifting up in our thinking. See, Jesus never got deposed from his sovereign place. (laughs) Only in people's minds did that happen. He's never not been the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He's never not been head over all authority. He's never not been able to heal all the sick and cast out all the demons. It's just we're tuning into who he really is and who we really are in him. So bit by bit, the theological boxes that trapped us in lack of expectation and skepticism are being broken down because we're just coming back to Scripture and we're hearing Holy Spirit and we just see these are the days of the greater things. This is time the church in Europe is waking up to the fact that she can do the greater things. It's theologically okay. It's what God is doing. It's what God is saying. (laughs) I've been having these sort of moments with God and he just keeps saying, nothing I've done in your history is going to be wasted. And I've been walking this journey into the supernatural a long time. And he just reminded me, how difficult, when we got heavenly activity and heaven's invasion years ago, how difficult we actually found it. I'll, I'll give you some, some examples. Um, 
we had a Holy Spirit invasion in our, in our church years ago in the late 80s. I remember me and, and my friend Nigel Stenning, he, he was a, still a friend, he was, we were elders together in this church. And one morning, maybe this many people in the room, we asked everybody to stand and we, we asked the Holy Spirit to come and the two of us were at the front. And for some reason we turned round, I don't know, to discuss or talk to the band or something. We asked the Holy Spirit to come and then when we turned back, one third of the people who had been standing were no longer standing. <laughs> we, we had a situation where, in, in one meeting, where the youth, some of the youth started to get intoxicated in the spirit and they all fell in a heap on one another. Yeah. And then when everybody got, whether older, young, whatever, whenever they got near the heap, they immediately got smacked by the Holy Spirit and joined the heap. So this heap got bigger and bigger and bigger in the middle of the room of bodies. And anybody got near it, you kind of, people, were, you could see them walking around it. They're boom on that. I mean, we thought that was a lot of fun, but we really, in hindsight, didn't really know what the heck we were doing or even really understand what God was doing. I, I remember one guy Someone prayed for him, and he literally flew back over three rows of chairs. It's just like, I mean, this is exciting. You know, we were just kind of sing, normally singing choruses and doing preaching, and suddenly, boom, all this craziness. But then we also had people like, I remember, strange thing. I remember one, one woman, whenever the Holy Spirit would come, she would go like stiff as a board. Her whole body would stiffen up. And every joint would be in pain. And as long as we left her in the meeting, nothing would shift. We had to literally, it was quite funny in a way, we had to literally carry her out like an ironing board to somewhere where the presence of God wasn't to see her get some relief. And we didn't know what was going on. You know, we bound it, we cast it out, we blessed her. We, we, we had no clue. We, we, and we had a lot of stuff like that kicking off as well. And as a young pastor, you, your brain is melting. You're like, God is coming, and, and this person's in pain, and, and these people are freaking out because their teenagers are falling on top of one another. And, and, and we're like, oh, my goodness, this is just such hard work. And we didn't understand. We didn't have, we didn't have, we didn't have so-so. When I found out about, this, you may understand me a bit more. When I found out about so-so, I thought, Thank God for Sozo. We've got to have Sozo because God is going to show up more and more intensely in our environment. And if we get any of that stuff kicking off, I'll have somewhere to send them. <laughs> and most people have some clue what is going on. They can actually help people who are having those kind of strange experiences in the presence of God get free. But actually what happened to us back then, so many of these difficult things happened, it kind of slows you down and eventually you kind of lose the move. Because you're just pastorally clogged up with all these people who are weirded out by what God's doing. I'm so glad of Sozo. I'm like, yeah. When I found out that we've got to have that because God's moving and he's going to move more, we need to be ready. So we need a a tool in place that is going to help us for that kind of moment we so I believe God has just been releasing an understanding of how he works and of the spirit realm that we didn't have 20 30 years ago we just we honestly we were having fun but we were clueless 
And it's so good that, that, that teachers like Bill Johnson and Heidi Baker and, 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 and others, Randy Clark, are, have actually pressed into this and others, and they're actually bringing wisdom on how to walk through and how to walk in a move of God when it comes so that we don't get overwhelmed by it, confused by it, distracted by it, but actually we know how to walk a walk with Holy Spirit through it. Because I think what we were in doing back in the day was we could see his works, but we didn't understand his ways. We didn't know why he was doing this, or that signs and wonders were meant, signs are things that point you somewhere. They're actually the activity of God that were meant to point us in a particular direction. And God in these days is releasing a ton of wisdom. He's releasing a ton of, of biblical understanding of the realms of heaven and what he does from the spirit realm into the natural that we had no clue about back then. And I suspect that would have been repeated over and over again around, around the, the continent. And what happens is things get a bad name because people don't know what to do with what God gave them. But this is a new day. This is a new season. And God has given us a huge amount more than we had back then. Hallelujah. So our theology is changing. Our understanding of heaven is changing. Our understanding of the spirit realm is changing. And rather than talking to people who see in that realm and treating them as a bit weird because they're not like us, we're actually talking to them and saying, help, because you can see and we don't. And we need seers. Yeah, we do. <laughs> the other thing that happened, I can I can remember being a, in a huge leader's set and giving a prophecy to three thousand people. And I, I could feel as I was giving this prophecy, and you could hear it and see it all around the room. God was moving. People were being touched powerfully by God as I was prophesying, which is that's just what happened. I got so far into this prophecy, and I could feel this tug on the back of my shirt like time is up. And the whole thing got shut down. And this happened in different settings I was in over and over again. I was in a leaders meeting, not the same one, in this season. And I remember prophesying to this, all these leaders from all over the country that it was the Holy Spirit was going to look after them. They didn't need to control the Holy Spirit anymore. <laughs> I got absolutely taken to town for bringing that prophecy publicly. 18 years later, somebody, 18 years later, somebody came up to me and said, you know that prophecy that you bought? It was absolutely right. I waited 18 years for someone to tell me. But what's the point? The point is, we like to be in control. 
And there is a problem because he thinks he's in control. And what he's been doing is pouring out his love. And I want to put this together. So what's happening is there's the biggest outpouring of the love of God that possibly this planet has ever seen. Because perfect love casts out fear. And fear motivates control. If you don't understand, you're going to be scared, most likely. We fear what we don't understand. So another one of my stories, I'm standing in a John Wimber meeting in the 80s, and suddenly... All around me, people are flopping on the floor like fish. People are howling like dogs. Someone's trying to strangle the preacher and he's in sort of zombie spiritual mode. He's like gazing at him. And people are flopping out of chairs and, and people are shaking like uncontrollably. And I'm at the back of this meeting of 500 people. And in my heart, I knew the door was like 20 feet that way. And I was, I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. And clear as anything, God says to me, no, you're not. Because when this happens... In your meeting, I don't want you to stop it. I was scared. I didn't understand anything. I was afraid. God spoke to me, and I'm so glad he spoke to me, and I've been the same ever since. So we went home, we invited Holy Spirit to come, and the rest, all those things started to happen. There was one guy, Teresa went up to him, and he's a friend of ours who was sat in his chair and he was still the whole evening. And we went up to him and said, Tony, are you okay? Are you okay with what's going on? He said, I wasn't okay with what's going on. I thought it was weird. But then I found I haven't been able to move my head off the wall for the last half an hour. <laughs> God is pouring out not only understanding of his ways and his realm, but he's pouring out his love so that he knows that he loves us and so that we're not weirded out by, and get scared by what he does. So we stop controlling one another and what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly for leaders, but it's true for all of us. We need more of the love of God just poured into you. That love casts out fear. When you get rid of your fear, you stop trying to control people and God. I have more, but I'm running out of time. Just, just one, one more thing. Here's, tell you another story. I, I was, uh, <laughs> my fellow leader at the time persuaded me, this is late 80s again, sorry for old stories, that we should do some healing meetings. Uh, I should do them. So I agreed and we printed flyers and put it in the newspaper, and we invited people to a healing meeting. And like the night, bef the day before or two days before, I am completely wetting myself because, of course, you invite people to a healing meeting, they're going to expect to be healed, and I'm the speaker. You know, like I'm the, quote, faith healer in this situation. I'm like, I don't feel good about this at all. I was so scared. And, and actually, we were all scared because we'd kind of put it on the line. And, uh, and we prayed, and something happened that night. So we had a bit of momentum. And then a few times later, the room's filling up. It's probably this many people or more in the room. 
and, and the room's filling up, and we had this little platform, and I'm there, ready to speak, and, and just before the meeting starts, that someone comes in in a wheelchair now, okay? We've seen some healings, we've seen some breakthrough, but they bring this lady in a wheelchair, and they wheel her down to the... What they always do is they wheel the wheelchair person to the front, even if they come in late. The wheelchairs are always at the front. So I can still remember it. I'm, preach, I'm preaching, and I'm about, we're about to do worship, and they take her, they lift her out of the wheelchair, and they sit her on the floor so she supports herself like on her knuckles, so she sits, the, well, kneels the whole meeting like this next to her wheelchair. And I, I'm watching this and I'm watching it. Then I get up to preach and I preach my best message on Jesus, faith, healing. And I'm trying, the whole time, I'm trying not to look at this woman. All right? Because you want your faith up. You don't want to keep looking at this broken person. I've never seen anybody get healed out of a wheelchair at this point. All right? So I'm, look, I, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. And I get to the end. And at that point, I was learning to m- move in words of knowledge. So and I get to the end of the message and I say, okay, Holy Spirit, uh, give us some words of knowledge. And as clear as anything, the Father says, you don't need a word of knowledge today. She's it. <laughs> and with everybody, but this is, this is a big moment, right? So he, everybody's seen the woman in a wheelchair come to the front. Everybody's been looking more at her than me. And now it's like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to have an appeal. I don't have any words of knowledge. So I step off the platform in front of everybody and start praying my best prayer for this woman. As I'm praying for her, she starts to groan and scream in agony. So this isn't going well because everybody can hear all of this going on. And her back, literally you can see her and feel her back move. And all, all, the, all the, the joints in her back are, are being manipulated. And she's groaning and, she, and we're like, do you want us to stop? She says, oh no, 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 I haven't taken any painkillers today because I believe that this was my day. And she's like, no, don't stop, this is God. So we're like, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. She's like, ah! So we pray and she stands up and she walks all the way around the room. She hasn't walked in years. Yeah. And, <laughs> and as she's walking around the room, she's forgotten her glasses. And she's got these great big thick, because back then they didn't have all these perspex things. They had these great big thick bottleneck, bottle type glasses. And, and she says, I can see, I can see. It's so like, how many fingers? And she goes up to her husband and she could, she, we never prayed for her to see. She got. <laughs> Why am I telling you this? You've got to get off the platform. Something in me in that season, had to overcome the fear of man. Because Proverbs says, the fear of man lays a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord is safe. I just want to say this. Some of us go, oh, that's not for me. I don't do that kind of thing. I'm not made that way. I just want to check that you're not bringing the fear of man to the table. Because... Fear of man is a snare. It will stop you entering into all God has for you. It will give you a design of you that is less than God's design of you. It will corner you in a place that is smaller than he's made for you. All of us have to have a, I'm going to step off the platform moment. 
I was afraid that it wouldn't work. I was afraid that I would look stupid. I was afraid that no one would come back to these meetings again. I was afraid that the people in my church would think I was an idiot for even trying to do such a thing. But I got off the platform and I laid hands on this lady. The rest is God's story, really. Another proverb says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. It's only the wicked that flee when no one's pursuing them. Let's stand. I'd like you to ask Holy Spirit, not your brain, not your history, I'd like you to ask Holy Spirit, is there any area that I am modifying my life because I'm afraid of man. When my expectations of who I am are less than God's expectations because actually what it is, is fear. I'd like to ask Holy Spirit, is there any area of your thinking that has been affected by skeptical theology that makes you cautious about the supernatural power of God happening to you, through you, and around you? Is there anything where you're reactive in a negative way to the supernatural power of God? And I'd like to ask him, I'd like to ask him a third thing. Is there anything where you're still afraid of what he might do to you or through you or around you? And ask him to fill you with his love. Ask him. Because he could do it. He wants to do it. Ask him to fill you with his love. Ask him to fill you with his courage. Yeah. I didn't get off the stage because I'm awesome. I was wetting myself. Every one of those healing meetings. Honestly, I was crying out to God. I was weeping. I felt like a rack. But God showed up. Ask him. I need more of your love, God. I need more courage. I want to believe you that I can do what you did and greater things. Come on, ask him. Even be courageous in your asking. Don't be tame in your asking. Don't be be afraid in your asking. Ask him to show you. Ask him. He's on you. He's in you. He has great plans for you. You're going to change your workplace, your office, your school, your, your, your place of employment is going to be different because you're there. It can't be the same. Scotland is changing. Europe is changing. The atmosphere is changing. And it's ready for people like you and me to speak to people, to go in their houses and rid them of demons, to see them healed, to see them changed, to see them come to Jesus on the streets, in their houses, in the offices. It's just actually opened right up for people like you and me to catch on to what God's doing in our day, in our generation, in our season, that we start to become the righteous who are bold as liars. 